0: 100% agree. You know, in Matthew 9 Get back there. Get back there. In Matthew 9 uh oh, we got two more brave souls. Look at this. I th- I do need some company up here. There we, look at this. Yeah, we don't want to steal Jack's seat. But in Matthew 9, there's a there's this I'll give you the context, is Jesus is, he's, we'll say he's at, he's at Denny's, who doesn't like Denny's, or, wa- oh, sorry, we're in the south, Waffle House, he's at Waffle House, with the disciples, and it's like late at night, and so like, the people that just left the club are also with him at Waffle House, and, uh <laughs> they were at the Honky Tonk, and, uh, thank you, uh, and, but then some people that just got out of a church service, out of a revival meeting, see Jesus and his disciples, and they see these people that just left the club hanging out with him, and they're like, "Why are you, why why is your your teacher your servant your or, I mean your master your uh, p- pastor if you would or your apostle you know whatever you want to call it um, with these people that just came from the club these these uh, notorious." individuals and Jesus says a few choice words somewhere along the lines like you've washed the outside of your cup so you pretend everything's okay but the inside of your cup is still dirty I don't know if you've ever been like in an old school office environment they don't like it's almost like bad luck to wash your coffee cup or something Um, and so they just look like years of coffee residue build up on the inside of that thing and they'll drink it whatever out of that thing and just like floating coffee particles in any And so, but they wash the outside of the cup. The, insi- the outside of the cup looks great. But the inside's gross looking. It's dingy. But he says this uh, to everybody there. I've actually come for those. Whoa, whoa, whoa it's like a turntable. Um, I've come for those who know they need a physician, those who know that they need a doctor, those who know that they're in need of a savior. I didn't come for those who think they are well. And he's telling this to these, this group of people, this religious leadership. And see, we in that connotation, we look at the word religious and we automatically have the negative mindset that goes along with it, but do we also understand in many ways that is actually us? We're no different than the woman in the Song of Solomon when Jesus comes knocking on the door of our hearts, of our lives, and we say that we've done all these other things. We've already washed our feet. We've already said our prayers. I got my fire insurance. I've done all of this already. So Jesus is at the door and he's knocking and she's saying, I've already washed my feet. I'm ready for bed. I'm just going to coast from here on out. I'm just going to ride the wave of the anointing. I don't need to do anything else. I've already... I, I mean, I did my shundis this morning. I spent three minutes, you know, while I'm getting in the shower. You know, I'm praying in the Spirit. I've already... No need for interpretation, it was an example for those of you that are going theological on this. Because you know what? (laughs) I often wonder if Jesus would come into a place if we would recognize him. Because he probably won't look like what we think he's going to look like. He may not smell like what we think he's going to smell like. And to be perfectly honest, he's probably not going to do a single thing you want him to do. We go, well, he can't, the biggest mistake we make, this has nothing to do with my message, hence my laptop not open yet. We have this mindset of going, God won't do this. The Lord won't do this. He doesn't do that. I've seen too many things and heard too many stories for us to get away with that. Well, Jesus wouldn't visit this group of people. You know, there's places in the world right now that they don't preach the gospel unless the person actually had a visitation from Jesus. But it's the people group or the, the, a religious group that we tend to shun away from thinking that God wouldn't do anything with them. But they're the fastest growing church in the world. They're the fastest growing church in the world, but no one actually preaches anything. Because if you do, you're going to be killed. And then we get into this mindset, well, I've done everything and I'm ready to die for the Lord. You won't die for your neighbor. How are we going to say that we're in a position of spiritual maturation, maturity, and say, oh, I'm willing to give my life for Jesus. And if you think this is about you, it's not about you. But maybe it is. If the glove fits, wear it. Shoe fits, wear it. the glove fit. don't. It must have quit. I'm going to get myself in 20 to 7 different ways of trouble. Bob, you're going to have to help me. Thank you. I appreciate it. How are we going to say that we're in this place of spiritual maturity of walking with the Lord and oh, I'm ready to give my life for him. But we're crying out for religious freedom. While, or we're proclaiming we're under government tyranny, and all these other things, while our 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 neighbors in fear, the person next to us is suffering, and we have the ability to help them. Oh, they're they're too radical. They're they're too vocal about what's going on in their life. I don't, don't know if I want, I don't, I'm afraid of what may get on me. See, I've, I've spent my whole life washing the outside of my cup and I don't want anything to get on the outside of my cup. And so we sit here with this critical, judgmental mind. And I say we, cause I'm just as bad. I mean, if people, you know, I have a I have a ministry called Love Speaks and they're like, oh my God, you're so loving and so kind. I'm like, you have no idea what goes on in my head. (laughs) Because it's the Lord in those moments that comes out of that comes out of me. If if Wes came out of me, I wouldn't be up here. (laughs) I'd be in many other places. Probably jail. But there's a love, a nature deep within inside of us that's longing to come out, that's longing to be set free. And there's this thing, of vulnerability that kind of terrifies us. That if we, that if this real love, this real compassion, this real mercy, would to come out of us, what would people think? What would people say? You know, let's relive D.C. talk. You know, what would people say if they found out I was a Jesus freak? What would they do if they found out it was true? Who cares? Who cares? We've spent so long hiding and ashamed because of whatever may lay, lie in our lives, whatever may be there in our past, whatever may be there in our present. Because we re, we're aware, we're so self-aware of the darkness that's dwelling within inside of us that we think that we don't have any aspect of God within inside of us. And so, we're, well, what would people see if I dropped the facade for 93 seconds and they can see the real me? I don't I'm not saying this from theory or hypothetical scenarios. I'm saying this from my own life pers- my own life. Where I've the Lord is literally trying to draw me out of that darkness, out of the pit within inside of myself, out of my own sheol, out of my own whale. Not my well, my whale. He's trying to bring me out of the whale. Why did Jonah said I feel like I'm in hell in this moment? How many of you? Let me. Let's just be honest for a moment. Let's be real for a moment. (laughs) Is that a question or? And there's no judgment in any of this. If there's, if someone judges you for this, just bring them to me. Just bring them to me. I'm I'm too hyped up from the un, con- the lack of conclusion from last night's fight, and uh, I'm like, there should have been more. Ah, uh, but honestly, how many of you just feel like? We, we can relate to that moment of Jonah and we feel like we're in that place of darkness we're in that like we've been swell we've been swallowed up by the whale and we're in some type of darkness we're in some type of pit or like some type of wilderness. You three gentlemen, that's awesome Matt. Yeah, you do. Do you want an animal version or a normal version? Of course you do, bud. David, animal or normal? Someone help him with that. And Can you go give that to Robin? In the back. Open those up and eat the goodness inside of it, but I need you to put together the toy. Kind of snappy, Bob. Bob Bob knows. Bob, you're getting a normal version, for Bob. Sorry, that was really bad throw of me. Um, That went real low. Anyone else? I got. So we've been doing. So I do the the School of the Spirit on Friday nights, and we've been using these Kinder. We last Friday we used this Kinder egg, and the Kinder egg, like half of its chocolate goodness and the other half is like a jack-in-a- not jack-in-a-box, that's a restaurant. <laughs> it's like a Cracker Jack toy on the inside. And you, we, I mean, last time we did this at my house, I think it took like an hour for most of us to put together these three, three pieces of plastic. And so, we ain't got that much time, David, snappy. Mm-hmm. Give it to Dylan. Um, if you can't put together your toy, give it to Dylan. Um, anyone else? It does come with instructions. Anyone else? I got more. All right, Susan? That was good. That almost went in the tissue box. Or in the coffee, whatever, same difference. Matt's. Matt, Matt, you, you already knew you should have grabbed one. Got to go quickly though. So we've been we've been using these to kind of encourage and prophesy, and what would the Lord speaketh through these little toys? And to be perfectly honest, like I said, I'm sharing this not from theory or hypothetical situations or scenarios because that's where I've been in the last couple of weeks and where I've been feeling this darkness brooding over me and depression trying to just, literally, it's like, I don't know, it may sound crazy to some people, you know, but literally having like depression right here, trying to like just end it. That's how real it was for me, that I was like, all right, this sounds great. Let's go this way. And anxiety and you know even la- that su- the last Sunday that I spoke, and I had every symptom of a textbook panic attack while speaking, never had it before, except for the panic. But my nerves felt fried when I walked away from here that morning, and Bob took over and led you guys in worship. And I was like, what in the world's going on? Never Google those symptoms, by the way. According to, like, WebMD, I was pregnant, dying, I lost a leg, and, like, been abducted by aliens. And so, all these different things. And... I went to lunch with Brad and and he's, you know, Brad asked, I think, like three times how I was doing because, you know, I have to get, I'll give that general answer that I'm used to giving because I'm the guy that people, I'm the guy that other people come to. Well, I don't know what to do. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. So on and so forth. And so I'm really good at giving that blank. Oh, I'm good, man. You know. And I know how to turn on the the personality and the charm, and I mean I've been doing it since I was like 15. You gotta put together a toy, yeah. Matt. Matt's over here, just eat. They're, they came with a spoon, by the way. No. Here's why I I I, I I I want I gave that out to those people here. Is because. His words and his who he is, even in the midst of darkness, even in the midst when we feel like we're in the belly of a whale, when we're going through hell, when we feel like we're living a country song and forward, he's sweet. Even I was, as I was not necessarily singing, fighting my own, how I fight my battles, Cause I was like, this is how I lose my battles. <laughs> it may look like I'm surrounded, cause I am. Um, <laughs> I was singing my own version of it, you know, cause I was so I was yeah you know, I wasn't caught up with the Lord. I was caught up with West, you know, and I was like it's all about me. Um, I'm sorry, y'all should be laughing, but uh, I'm in the I'm in this place of darkness. And meanwhile, he's, the Lord is being so gentle and so kind and sweet to me in the midst of it. And he's literally, like, telling me what's wrong with me. Like, not what's wrong with me in the sense of, like, you need to go say, you know, say seven Hail Marys and figure this out and get deliverance and have that person. He's just like, Wes, quit stressing yourself out. You're creating your own anxiety right now. And I'm looking for this external solution. I'm looking for this external answer. I'm looking for the external cause from my, from my plight. The whale that swallowed me up was me. And I got so stuck on myself and living in my own darkness. So about the third time, Brad goes, how are you doing? I was like, honestly, depression's been knocking at my door every day for the past couple of weeks. And I feel like I finally, you know, I was like, I'm starting to get some reprieve. I feel like I can see light. Not not the light at the end of the tunnel. That's a different light. Don't follow that light. He goes, yeah, I've been praying for you. And as I'm driving home and I'm just like, Lord, you know, forgive me for just getting into this state. Like, not in the sense of, like, I feel bad about it. Like, you know, where I'm condemning myself. But, like, Lord, forgive me for choosing another God. Because that's what's happening when 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 we're going down that path. Because we're worshiping something else. In that moment. You can go, well, Wes, that's kind of a hard thing to say. But I'm saying it from personal experience. We're choosing another God in that moment. We're, we're, we're longing after self-preservation. We're all these different things. And it's, you know, it's all about me. just the goodness of God starts just flowing and flooding in and then I go to I go to sleep you know Thursday night and I'm woken up Friday morning and I can't tell you if I was in if I was in a dream if I was in an encounter I don't know what it was honestly I don't even care What I remember as I opened my eyes, the moment I opened my eyes, what I see in front of me is is what I would consider to be an angelic being holding a cup of coffee in front of me. Now, the problem with this is this was 90 minutes before my alarm was to go off. So this was at 545 in the morning. And so I'm up. I kept my alarm on because that's the wise thing to do. Zechariah 4.1 says this, An angel came and awoke in me as if a man who was sleeping. And what it's referring back to, what it's speaking of, is an internal awakening that's taking place. And it was the Lord saying, hey, Wesley. Or let me put it in a pop culture reference because that just makes more sense if, it, if I do that. Will the, wi- will the real Wesley please stand up? Will the real Matthew please stand up? The real Aaron. The real David. Because we think as far as is the east from the west, so is God and me and, and then I'm on the other side in my darkness. And whatever I'm battling, whatever I'm facing, whatever, whatever the depression, the anxiety, the, whatever it is, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, whatever we, th- whatever we call it, whatever we say that it is. We go, oh man, God's really far away, because that's what, that's what we've been taught, right? When we're in these places, it's because God's, you've strayed away from God, but what we don't realize, much like the footprint, footprint poem from like the 90s or the 80s, is Matt's going through darkness, but the Lord's right here saying, hey, you're gonna make it through this, and you're gonna be okay, and when you come out, you'll actually be glad that you were in it. Because he's right there. In the midst of that. And that breaks our brain for a moment. Saying, wait a minute. You mean in the midst of me going through some form of hell, God is like... I mean, if it was if I if I wanted to make it really awkward, I would just like sit on Matt's lap and be like, "That's how close it is," and just put my hand my head on his chest. But he has too many buttons undone on his shirt, and I'd feel awkward. <laughs> Same for Jack. But but that's how close he is. Is that he's in. We think that he's in syncopation with our breath, but we are actually, our hearts go into syncopation of the strongest heartbeat in a room. So think about when John was laying his head on the chest of Jesus. He was trying to syncopate himself. He was trying to line himself up with the strongest heartbeat in the room. but that's how close he's getting to us in the midst of our darkness but our mind says no god separates himself from us when we're going through that when we find our when when we find ourselves in 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 a sinful situation and we you know we have but we can't explain it because we just heard it one time in church so let's make this biblical So here's this for, for the people with the uh, sweet egg. The season's ending. This darkness is about to dissipate and there's going to be a light that shines through. There's going to come an awareness of Christ in your midst where the anointing will break the burden. It will break the heavy yoke upon you that you've been feeling, the heaviness that you've been battling. And there's going to come a, not just lightness in the sense of like light over here, but lightness in the sense and an alleviation of weight to come off of you. What animal did you get, Aaron? You think it's a porcupine? <laughs> it like <laughs> got a porcupine that looks like a rat. I don't even know what to say about that. It's a ratty pine, a ratty pine exactly. And I mean, I, I mean, with the porcupine, the most one of the things, like porcupines are actually really adorable unless they're in, unless they're afraid. And they're actually really gentle unless they're afraid. They're, what, I mean, has, has, we've never really heard stories about people, like. Because I've seen people with pets as, you know, porcupines as pets, and they're real gentle and docile creatures. And I think that's, with, unless backed in a corner, Aaron, you're actually a really gentle person. And you're not, like, someone where people should be afraid of. But for whatever reason, because, you know, you don't have any spikes or quills. Well, you do now. Um... you are just a gentle and kind person and that gentleness and that kindness we're told that you can't be gentle you can't be kind people will take advantage of you but there's a gentle and a kindness when you when you start leading by that you will find yourself in situations and that you would be like how in the world did I get here and there's gonna be people that will begin to eat of your words as if they were like as if they were eat that treat itself. Or if they were like Andy's like little chocolate mint. See, because everybody loves an Andy's mint, right? Ain't no one like I don't really know, Andy's mint. Get delivered. Um So But there's this there's a sweetness that will come out of the people will begin to eat of it. And you'll see them get delivered of the very the very things that have been plaguing them and you setting them free. So Psalms 139. Let's go starting in verse 7. It says this. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? So here we have it's already starting out with the assumption that there's nowhere I can go where your presence or your spirit is not going to be with me. But that's not. You can't go there, the Spirit of God's not there. Here we have David. Where can I go, God, that you are not going to be with me? I mean, David seen some stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, he's I know we have the Disney version of who David is in our mind and we go, "Oh my God, he was a man after God's own heart." Can we also not forget that David was like a warmonger, bloodthirsty, like who knows how many people he's he killed in his lifetime? Never mind the obvious that he was also a murderer, an adulterer, like, lying, all of this stuff. That even him, even him, and everything going on, imagine, like, I, you meet, we meet people today that have been in part of, like, you know, significant battlefields and significant wars, and the things that, had to, that took place while they were in those places. And there's a struggle for them. So, if we're looking at it like that, now imagine the brutality then, because you couldn't just like, kill your enemy from afar like you can now with like, you know, guns and things of that nature. You had to get up close in person, and you were watching the person die, in most cases. So David's going through all of this. All of that is in his mind, in his memory, embedded in who he is. And he's saying, God, where is it that I can go that you're not going to be there? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. And we go, well, that's obvious. When when things are going great, we just assume God's with us, right? I got a couple of nods, we'll go with it. But if I make my bed in hell, you are there. That's not a natural location we think to find God. But think about that concept for just a second. If I make my bed in hell. In other words, I'm choosing to live in this place. Come on. How many of us, how many of us have chosen to live in a place? We've lived, we chose to live in a life that was subpar to what God had for us. We made the choice... Whether we knew that there was a greater way of living or not, we knew that the choices that... I think about even before I even like had an understanding or even heard of church. How many of y'all believe God can just speak to you at any random moment? So there's no logical reason for my laptop to do this right now. But I literally just, literally just got this notification. It's time to empty your trash. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I told it to empty the trash. It said, now granted I haven't opened this computer or turned it on, since Friday. And it said I, I had all this stuff in the trash. And so I needed to empty it. Guys, it's time to empty the trash in our lives. And just get real with God. That was one of the secrets. That was one of the things that David had. Yes, it's twenty of yours. Uh, number 548, your child is looking for you. Number 548. Uh, If I make my bed in hell, we've chose to live subpar, below where God would have us live. Even before I was saved, I was making those choices, and I didn't even know that there was a better way of living. I was just... Before I even had any knowledge of Scripture or the Bible or Jesus or anything, I was already trying to put myself in a place. My goal in life was to live in the middle of nowhere, be nothing to no one, and just die. I would literally tell people that. I just wanted to go live in the middle of nowhere. Now you can't get me to go anywhere that doesn't have hot water and Wi-Fi. Come on now, that's the... Some people are called to a different type of missionary life. Mine include four-star hotels, at least. No, I'm kidding. I've stayed in three. And that's roughing it. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So even if I go out in the middle of nowhere and become nothing, God, you will be there. You will go there with me. Not only, not only is he going there with you, he's holding you. There's that footprints poem again. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Being in such a place that even the illumination of the stars, like you, if you ever go way out into the woods where there's no street lights, no nothing, and all you have is stars... and that's illumination to you, that's the type of darkness. What David's describing here is literally this place of depression, darkness, everything surrounding you. You can't see hope at all, but he's saying hope is with you. If I say, indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, But the night shines as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. God doesn't see a difference or a variation. Whether you're in darkness or whether you are in light, He is with you. Setting up shop right next to you. He's doing his whole like, you know. He's got the whole world in his, ha- so he's got the whole world in his hands right there. But he's sitting right next to you right now. He's saying, "I'm right here. I'm right here in the midst. I got you." Because he's he's calling us out of hiding. He's calling us away that we no longer, I hate what shame does to people. I hate what shame does to people. It leaves them in places of addiction and they hide stuff. And it, I mean, literally, look, look at Adam and Eve. What, they hid because they realized they were naked and so they were ashamed. But he's saying, you know what? You don't have to hide these things. Like, we're trying to hide something as if God didn't know or can't see it. You ever try to sneak a cookie when no one's watching? Here we go. Let's really call them out. How many people go to the bathroom in the middle of church to go get a donut? Let's not hide these things anymore. God already sees it, and we're sitting here thinking, well, he doesn't know. We're not going to get free from whatever it is that we need freedom from as long as we continue to do it in hiding. You know, Scripture says that it's better for you to throw yourself upon the rock lest the rock throw, throw itself upon you. we take that same theory and go, it's better for you to bring it into light on your own than wait for it to be exposed. Because if you can embarrass shame, guess what shame can't do to you? Mhm. Jesse Duplantis says, says something to the effect, you, if you have access to his, like, Laughter is Good as Medicine, whatever series it's called. But he says something to the effect, he goes, if you embarrass, embarrass sin before it embarrasses you. Embarrass, embarrass your shame so that you're no longer ashamed. So God's calling you out of hi- hiding. He's saying, listen, there's, there's no more shame, no more guilt. And just like like what he did with Adam and Eve in Genesis. He called them out of hiding. We go, oh man, I'm in this place right now and God's far from me. Who went away from who in Genesis? Thank you, David. Can we... All right, real moment. Y'all got thoughts going through your head. Some critical, just being honest. Just start verbalizing it. You're already thanking it. Thank you, David, for speaking out. He He called them out of their darkness. He called them out of their shame. He forgave their transgressions and cleansed them of their iniquities. He's not just dealing with the things that, have, that you've done wrong, but he's literally going into the depths of your heart, the depths of your being, and saying, I don't know, whatever's causing this, this, li- this choice that you're making to live in this fashion, I'm also going to cleanse you of it. I'm going to I'm I'm bring you into a place of freedom from it. In other words, he deals with the fleshy outcome and then he makes whole the spiritual brokenness that led to that mess in the first place. See, if we can get a hold of the fact that God is inviting us to the table as we are. With all the junk and all the baggage you got, and then what he says is, "Hey, everything you brought with you, by the way, you don't need anymore. I'll take care of you." But we hold on to that thing. We we hold on to that stuff like like we waiting for bags at a at a, a carousel at an airport. I got to hold on. Like, what am I going to do if I don't have this anymore? Probably be happy. Probably not be ashamed. Probably not be embarrassed. Let's go to Psalms 18, verse 4. Honestly, this was me pretty much like all last week up until about Thursday and the week before that. And some of it I couldn't even identify. Jack was over there trying, are you okay? There's something not right. About-. Jack was able to recognize something wrong with me before I could even feel any, or tell anything wrong with me. I remember that one day he was like, are you hiding something from me? Like a father. Are you hiding something from me, Wesley? I was like, no, I think, I'm fine. I said, you know. Because he cared. But I couldn't identify it at that moment. I couldn't tell. It wasn't that Jack was prophesying something wrong with me. I just, he could tell that I was off before I could tell that I was off. He came for those who knew that they needed a physician, not those who think they are well. can't remember if I actually said that or not when I was talking about Matthew 9. But he did those who think they are well. We often... Well, I stopped and gave that homeless guy five bucks. I'm doing great spiritually. That's literally how we look at it. Well, I gave them my leftover food. Again, we're trying to use the external... To justify the dirty coffee cup. You're going to clean that coffee cup on Monday, aren't you? (laughs) I keep on just seeing this picture of that coffee cup. Um, And then it's pretending I'm talking to nobody. Psalms 18, verse 4. The pains of death surrounded me. And the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. Good. Awesome. I'll look at it on Monday. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me. I think sometimes. How real do we want to be? How real do we really want to be? Cuz when that dark, when that stuff comes in, when that when that pit comes, and that and that voice of depression comes, For some reason, the last thing our mind thinks of, of finding freedom from that brooding darkness, is for some reason, the la- I can't call Jack. If I call Jack, then Jack's going to always think something's wrong with me. That's hypothetical. people know that I'm really going through this, uh, this is really the, the battle that I'm facing, are they really going to listen to the words I say anymore? That's that, that's that minister side. I'm not going to be, they're going to tell me I should sit down for a while. I really shouldn't be doing this. In all actuality, we have people in our life. How many of you would be upset if a dear friend did not reach out to you when they were going through hell? Some concerned about some of your friendships. <laughs> Let me try this again. How many of you all would be really upset, even angry, saddened that a good friend going through hell did not reach out to you. Still concerned about some friendships. Anyways. Likewise, the Lord saying, why don't you reach out to me? But it's like the last thing our mind thinks of or we, we think of all the reasons why we shouldn't. But here we see David says, In my distress I called upon the Lord. I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came before him, even to his ears. Then the... This is, this is the Lord's... Remember when I first moved here, I, some of the stuff that was going through my head, and I was going... I came out of a rough situation and like I mean hit on all fronts. Like any any area you think you, uh, you think it can be hit, I got hit. And one of the areas that was really trying to get to me was like you're alone. You don't have anybody. Like this is this is literally like it's like have you ever had like one of those you know it's, your, it's a thought, but it's only like the outside of your mind. Does that make sense? Because you're like, did I really just think that? But it's, so it seems like a whisper. And so like there was this voice that was like, you're alone. Even your mom and dad are dead. You don't have family anymore. You're in this city by yourself. When I first moved here, you have no one. And I remember... I was on the phone with uh, Jack uh, and Stacy because if I'm on the phone with Jack, I'm on the phone with Stacy too Uh, because it's speakerphone always and forever, each moment with him. Um, It's like a dream come true. Uh, Sorry. And it was said something to the effect of like they were looking after me like parents or something like that and it was like this confirming thing of, like, you're not alone. So, like, from this point, you know, for some reason, I've adopted the, the UK-Canadian version of mom for Stacey and calling her mom. Um, I don't know why. And I just call Jack, Jack. <laughs> yeah, but But they've become family to me. So even when we feel like we're in these places... God will bring people into our lives. Not only will he just be in our life, but God will bring people into our lives that will show us that, you know what, you're not alone. And those places of injustice in your life, there will come justice. And so we see after this, after verse 6, God's response to the assault that was on David. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and flew, he flew upon the wings of the wind and made darkness his secret place. God sees the darkness that you're in, and not only does he get angered by the fact that this stuff is trying to come against you. So he's looking to bring justice and judging the darkness. that is trying to surround you, that's trying to overtake you, to overcome you, and defeat you. But he says, you know what? That's just not enough. I'm also just going to come into where your darkness is and hang out with it for a while. Sorry for this awkward moment. But I'm going to be a part... I'm now putting myself in darkness. Friends, he's the father of lights. You're children of light. So if the father of lights comes into darkness, can darkness still be there? It may take a moment, it may take a bit for the awareness that the darkness has dissipated and that the Father of lights is now in our midst. But He's there. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of what's going, I'm glad you're not super tall. Uh I'm thinking like someone like like you know six three, six four. I mean my brother's like six three or something like that, and he'd like I'd just be looking at his eyes. Um so God is literally in the midst of our darkness. Because darkness is only the absence of light. It actually can't be measured. Even in, some of y'all know, like I have a background in graphic design and web design and all that sort of stuff. So even when you take, we always think that the color black is all the colors combined. But it's actually all the color, all the light subtracted. But if you take all the colors and combine them, guess what happens? You get white. It's the exact opposite of what we think. So he comes down and he now makes darkness his dwelling place. He makes darkness his home. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him His thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. And the Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered His voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out His arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and He vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were uncovered, and at your rebuke, O Lord... At the blast of the breath of your nostrils, he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of the many waters. He delivered me from the strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He has also brought me into a broad place, and he delivered me because he delighted in me. God has not, will not give up on you. Do not think for just one minute that whatever you're facing, whatever the issue might be, that it is not redeemable. We're so busy looking for the thing to judge that God can't fix. He had a solution for the fall of mankind. What, what is it that you think somebody else is going to do that he can't figure out how to fix? You can't find a scenario in someone's life that cannot be redeemed if they cry out. No matter where it is in our lives, no matter where we're at, there is not a situation, there is not a place, there's not a shame, there's not a guilt, there's not a mountain, there's not a valley, nothing. Nowhere. He can't reach you. I want to say it's in Isaiah 56 or 57, somewhere along the lines that's where we try to get the idea that if you sin, you've separated, you, you, God has separated himself from you. In actuality, when you read it, it says that you have driven the distance between you and the Lord. It actually starts out with saying, is there no place that his arm cannot reach you? Is there not no depth that he still cannot hear your cry?" Wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, even the faintest, God, where are you? As I was having my little meltdown Wednesday, and I, and I can sit back now and I can mock it. Wednesday, it was real. Wednesday night, it was real. Wednesday night, it was, you know, I kept my, my spirit to thee type moments. Wednesday night, I wanted it all to end. Behold, his mercies are new every morning. Even in the midst of the darkness, there is light. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, even the faintest, God, I need you. He hears you. And we may not be able to see what's going on, In that moment. We may not be able to distinguish. In that very second. That. The Lord is fighting on our behalf. But I can promise you. I can promise you. That he is. Because if he wasn't, I wouldn't be right here right now. And I don't say that because 17 years ago when I gave my life to the Lord, I say that five days ago when I cried out to him saying, God, where are you right now? He came through. I don't know what any of you are facing. I can't, I can't, None of us should sit back and try to judge or have an opinion. Having an opinion is judging someone else's life walk. We don't know what they're dealing with. We don't know their battle. You don't know what they just came out of. You don't know what it took for them to get here this morning. gets presented as a joke, but oftentimes pastors and, and their wives or their husbands, pastors and their spouses don't drive in the same car on the way to church because they want to uh, like avoid getting into an argument on the way to church. You don't know what it took to get here for someone this morning. You don't know what it took for them to sit here and watch on their phone this whole time going... What is this guy talking about? Why is he yelling so much? I want one of those eggs. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know what's going in through someone's mind right now. What I do know is if whatever you're facing All you have to do is say, God. And that's it. Sometimes we don't have words for full sentences, for eloquent prayers. Sometimes all there is is a, that he is working in your midst and he's taking you out of that place of darkness and he's delivering you because he delights in you he enjoys you he loves you you make him smile Proud father looking upon their kid that just broke board and karate or whatever it is it might be he's proud his mind about you hasn't changed since the day that he looked into the earth that after he created everything and he said it is good And we always think that he only said that about creation. But the thing is, is if Jeremiah 1.5 is true for Jeremiah, I'm pretty sure it's true for all of us. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. You were with me. So if you were with him all the way back through eternity, when he said, it is good. He wasn't just looking at the pretty little dandelion in the field. He was looking at the pretty little Matthew in the field as well and saying, Matthew is good. Aaron is good. The Davids are good. Alan is good. Let him just come right now. Just close your eyes. Because he's here. It's like you just walked through the door. Jesus I ask that you would pull back the veil over each person this morning those that are here and those that are maybe watching or will watch later that you will pull back the veil and heaven would kiss them this morning heaven would kiss them this morning. may the only shadow that covers them be the shadow of the Most High God. In Jesus, you would show them that you are there.